A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 99. We are 99 episodes into the uh, the podcast that is just keeps going. Um, and the <laughs> more than half of the reason why this keeps going is the one and only Brendan Thomas Merritt, who I am joined with as well today. So, Brendan, how are you doing? What's going on in your world? We're the 99th time. I'm great. Always great. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a good couple of weeks, thanks. I decided to take two weeks off work. So, for the first of those two weeks, with the finishing touches on Reckoning, my brand new book, the first of uh, several shameless plugs. <laughs> And Logan actually has like you know, the first real copy. I had the proof copy, which I made several edits to. So Logan, the first person in the world to have his hands on like the the real one. And then I decided to do a lot of exploring this week. So Sunday I went to Carlingford, which is the Garden of uh, Eden in Ireland, at least according to the signpost you see when you arrive. Um, then on Monday, I went to Kilmainham Jail, which is a real-life panopticon, a uh, prison of observation, where our 1916 uprising heroes were locked away and ultimately assassinated, um, well, shot dead, court-martialed. Um, but it was really the, <laughs> inadvertently, the birthplace of uh, what became the Irish independence movement. Um, absolutely disgusted by the treatment of um, those revolutionaries. Um, Republican fervor spread across the island. And uh, so began the War of Independence, where ultimately 26 counties got their freedom from Great Britain. Um, then... A couple of days later, I went to a lovely area called Mellifont Abbey, where I went for a lovely long walk, and then to uh, an old abbey, um, and then got a, a tour of the inside from a monk, who uh, was hard of hearing, but uh, knew his history. And then afterwards went to a military museum, and then today I went to my county council museum to see three floors worth of uh, local history from my town and the towns and villages within a 30-minute radius. So it's been uh, a, a lot of driving, a lot of photograph-taking, particularly for the gram. I do it off of the gram. Uh, Instagram, that is. But uh, it's been great. It's been great. And what about yourself? What have you been doing? Uh, lots of retreats, uh, lots of people... Ladies coming into quilt, lots of serving, um, and lots of construction. We are currently trying to build a giant gymnasium, um, and it is quite a task. We've done a lot of cement work and a lot of raking mm. of rocks everywhere and leveling things. And uh, my body is very tired and uh, wants to quit on me, but we keep going um, <laughs> and we force it off. So. <laughs> Uh, it, it will be before fun. him. Logan endured the cross. Yeah. 
So, uh, I'm sure you guys want to know what we're doing today. This is going to be the authorship episode. Um, so we're going to interview Brendan, ask him some questions about being an author. And so this will be a really good episode if you are an aspiring author to learn about how to publish books. Um, it also will be good if you know to. somebody. What was that, Brendan? And how not to. <laughs> and how not to, yeah. If you uh, if you have friends who want to get into publishing books or any of those kind of things, uh, this will be a good podcast for them. So share it with them. Um, as usual, you can find us at from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com. You can send us uh, Facebook messages on at, at from Dublin to Cleveland. You can find us on Instagram, um, as Brendan was alluding to, Brendan Thomas Merritt. You can see all of his travels that he's had recently. And you can, of course, find me at Bananaman17. Um, and, of course, we have T-shirts and we have all those other things. And, of course, the most importantly, go buy Brendan's book. It'll be in the link in the description below. Um, Thank you. But let me get into the questions for Brendan. Um, and then we'll have a little fun with some uh, memes about writing. So, um, <laughs> All right. So, Brendan, you have now written, completely written two books. Which one is your favorite book? Oh, dang it. Ugh, <laughs> I, I love them both for very different reasons. Um, there's one chapter in Reckoning. Uh, it's an interlude chapter. And with a lot of world building. But overall, I think the pace of Reckoning is definitely a lot faster, a lot more dramatic, a lot of punchier. But, oof, the Panopticon. Ugh. I might, for now, I kind of was saying this because I actually prefer the story of Reckoning. But I think the Panopticon will always be special in my heart because it had the most of me in it. Not necessarily present day me, but it helped me really figure a lot of things out, I suppose, about myself when I was younger. Um, kind of worked out a lot of <laughs> issues that most people deal with in therapy or in a counselling room. Um, I kind of did with... The, but you know what? To hell with it. I'm going to pick Reckoning. I had more fun with it. <laughs> yeah, right. I've said it. Okay. All right. But um, the Panopticon will always be special to me. <laughs> all right. the question before I go, I start flip-flopping. <laughs> I've said Reckoning. It's done. It's, that's kind of funny you said that. There's um, one of the girls I work with. I invited her to come on the podcast at some point, And she's like, I'm just going to flip-flop on everything. And I said, no, no, no. We won't let you. We will ask you questions, and then we'll tell you to be quiet. We're not going to let you just flip-flop on everything. <laughs> I love them. They're my babies. But uh, I prefer the story of Reckoning. Okay. Okay. But the Panopticon special to me, and always will be. All right. So, uh, how did you come up with the idea or for your your two books? What was like, what was the thing that instigated you wanting to do this or write your book? Wow, I've always loved writing. Um, before I knew how to write, I loved drawing. Um, but once I really got good at the craft of writing, it was always a passion of mine. Um, suppose I loved other people's stories. Didn't really have the belief to think that I could pull it off. And especially not get them published. Um, 
But really, I was in Spain back in 2011, um, August 2011. And there was one day I was visiting my sister, who was living in Madrid at the time, still is. And we had all these amazing plans of things to do, places to go, yada, yada, yada. None of them happened. It was just an absolute waste of a day. And in my frustration, I went into the kitchen and I just remember they had the most disgustingly scented air conditioning. It was revolting. Everyone else seemed to like it. I thought it was stomach churning. Uh, I absolutely hated walking down the hall to the kitchen because you always got to make this big whiff of it. But I decided to make a cup of tea. So I flipped the switch and between flicking the switch to the kettle and the kettle boiling, the entire story was in my head the two books so i just whipped out my old flip phone and just kind of began punching in uh, the buttons yes i said people we had real buttons back then on your phones and uh, summarizing the entire thing and it became the first two books the first um arc of the triumvirate saga very nice very cool uh all right so for the people who have never read your book what okay. uh, what genre does this book fit in? And is there any other kind of genre that you would want to write a book in? Okay, wow. Um, the Panopticon is mostly fantasy science fiction. Mm. But it it is a meta-narrative. Um, when it starts off, you're on planet Earth. It sounds... Um, initially like a very domestic, suburban type scene. But it doesn't really take you very long to know that there's um, a particularly big mystery and that needs to be unraveled, um, which is only ever referred to as the incident. Um, and then you have a <laughs> trauma of, of, a, of a big scale. Um, a personal scale, but major to, to the protagonist uh, in chapter one. So you kind of are like 100 pages in, and the only thing you've really gotten an understanding of whatsoever is the main character and his family. Mm-hmm. And I suppose everything that shoots off from that, with the fantasy and the science fiction, the more um, fictitious and imaginative elements of it every decision that he makes or doesn't make or that's made for him it's filtered through what he experienced in those first hundred pages or so the prologues and chapter one um so some people when they hear it's a fantasy story pick it up and they're like 80 pages in they're like brendan where are all the goblins and the elves and i'm like just keep on reading okay (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then afterward, they're like, oh, okay, now I get you, I get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, Brian, I think I bought the wrong book. I'm like, if you think it's the wrong one, it's the right one. Yep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then with Reckoning, um, Reckoning, most of it takes place within a week, um, about seven, eight days or so. And, okay, you've still got, let's say, the fantastical side of things, but uh, also borderline dystopia. That's probably a, a good way of putting it. 
And would I like to branch out? Absolutely. Like, I have uh, another series up my sleeve. I won't tell you the name because I haven't um, got the ISBN number for it yet. I'll get around that at some point. I don't want someone else stealing the idea. Um, where there's a kid at church. <laughs> and the uh, a pastor, or uh, sorry, a prophet is invited to the church. <laughs> And he's like, you know, Madam, God says you're going to get a car tomorrow. Lady at the back, God says your children who are living in sin will come back to you. Man over there, your marriage will be restored. Turns to the teenager and goes, God, I thank you that my brother has come to church today. I pray he does well in his exams at school. <laughs> and the teenager is livid. He didn't get you no know, promise to car from God or marriage, right? That crack. He got a prayer. He's disgusted. <laughs> so he just <laughs> so he decides to give himself one year to work his way up from absolute obscurity to the assistant pastor in the church. And basically <laughs> turns all the congregation and ministry leaders against each other. So it's basically like body of Christ, kind of like, you know, the actual issues you do find in petty churches meets house of cards and the two collide. <laughs> so it'll be exaggerated, a bit extreme, but there will be characters in it where Christians will be able to cringe with the best kind of um, Michael Scott-esque embarrassment and say, my church is like this. I know congregants like this. I want a ministry and the leaders like this. So uh, there will be more realistic ones down the line, but with a little bit of a exaggeration and just more of mm-hmm. like comic effect and drama. But I think it's it's a good skill for any writer um, to be able to branch out into different genres. Um, some people might be surprised to hear this, but I started off writing comic books. Ones which were for Marvel, and then I saw how Marvel turned out. They will never... <laughs> ever get my uh, property. <laughs> They'd probably turn into something woke and just destroy it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I might rework it myself and do something later on. But I started off writing comic books and then it became a novel. But I do have songs and poetry within the novels and film scripts and everything. So it, it's good just as a writer to uh, expand your craft as much as you can. Yeah. Well, thank you for answering that. Um, if you could write about any subject at all, what would it be? Oh, golly. Um, I'd like to say theology and or church life. But, uh, I mean, I, I do write Bible studies and I, I teach every couple of weeks. So I suppose I I probably actually could do that. Only, yeah, uh, instead of having a narrow focus for, like, you know, a given lesson, you just um, expand on them or bring all your ideas together. So I suppose that's something that I wouldn't have to wish for. It's very much within the realm of possibility. Um, probably politics, actually. Hmm. Um, politics something where I've got strong opinions. I've got godly opinions. Um there are two books in the Bible called Kings, so it's obviously something God wants us to uh, to be aware of. Um, but I sometimes wonder if 
my opinions are so strong and rooted in the Word of God that maybe it's a little inaccessible sometimes for people who aren't already on the same wavelength as me spiritually. Um, so I think having the skill and the ability to actually articulate my opinions in such a way that uh, would, if not convince, at least open, help open someone's mind who has a different background or, or different preconceptions or has been surrounded by different discourses to actually be able to more effectively see my point of view. Um, and, you know, that would be a good skill in any form of communication, uh, verbally and literarily. But I suppose um, that would be a, a great challenge, but I think a great blessing too. Yeah. Okay. Um, so as we move to the next question, what would you say is your greatest accomplishment as an author so far? Uh, if you ask something, just ask it again. Um, I said, what is your greatest accomplishment as an author so far? Oh, All right, I think I got reconnected there, but let me know if I am or not. All right, I think I'm back. Maybe. Yep, I can hear you. Okay, all right. Well, let's just continue where we left off then. Um, so, what would you all say? Right. You I heard you say, what would you say is your? But I didn't hear what came next. Oh, yeah, of course. <clears throat> what is your greatest accomplishment as an author so far? Oh, golly. <laughs> I would say remaining humble. 
Mm. Maybe that's like a bit of a tacky answer. Um, but I think sometimes people set a goal and they work towards that goal. And when they achieve that goal, they just totally lose like the run of things and they're they forget their <laughs> that their families exist, their friends. Mm. Um that their heads get kind of get lost in the clouds. Um, whereas I learned the long way, the slow way, and the hard way leading up to ever publishing my first novel. Um, that we must walk humbly, not only among the people in our lives, but uh, before our God. So I suppose a lot of the ego that I actually would have attached with writing kind of got torn out of me long before um, it actually ever hit the shelves. Um, And yeah, it's it's not really, you know, a a success story per se or or financial uh, boost to aspiring authors. But um, if you don't have your character about you, and a reputable character at that, was it really all for in the first place. So, um, yeah, that's probably the answer I go with. All right. Um, so with that, you know, how do you handle criticism? How do you handle when people don't like what you've written? Oh, the... <laughs> The harshest criticism actually came from someone who hasn't read it, which I thought was a bit weird. Um, I had one friend who bought it, but said, okay, you got some words in here I don't understand, which it's fair enough. It didn't come from the most educated background. It's, it's all right. Um, but she asked, you know, if we could have like, you know, a, a book club where, you know, she and her husband would read a chapter and then I'd come along, like, the next week and explain to them what they'd read or help unpack it or rephrase it more easily, which I was totally all for doing. But uh, someone just overheard the, I don't understand these words, and just decided to, like, launch this, like, tirade against me for writing, like, something that was unenjoyable and uh, could not be discerned. And you know what? I could have fought this person until the cows come home. Or I could just give them a look and be like, eh. Right. (laughs) And I chose the latter. Because not everyone's going to always like what you've written. And not everyone's going to understand everything you've written. And in fairness, it is like a mystery series. So a little bit of guesswork or confusion is okay. Um, at least initially. But, uh, yeah, listen. There are times people just won't like what you're produced. I've been a teacher for several years now. I'm the best there is at what I do. There are times I have students who just choose not to enjoy my lessons. Am I going to go home and cry that I'm like the worst teacher in the world? Well, maybe when I began, it used to affect me badly. But uh, if there comes a point, just need thick skin. And I've been through uh, enough situations in my life where my skin is uh, very thick and hard as leather. So it, it didn't really faze me. Yeah. 
All right. Um, last question, and then we'll get into some memes to end it off. But what would you say makes your writing unique or different from other people? Wow. Um, I suppose what passes for entertainment today, how to put this politely about being offensive or disparaging something else has been what I've heard work. The spirit of life is in the word. When you're reading the Bible, it is a living word. It was Holy Spirit breathed. No other book is like it. You can write books about the Bible, but the Bible is in itself perfect. It's it wrote about historical and contemporary and future instances, but it was also and still is on a transcendental level as well. What passes for entertainment today really isn't. You've got a lot of wokeism, a lot of um, race baiting, a lot of gender swapping, a lot of, you know, pushing down the men and all this crack. Um, and I think a lot of the people making these have this idea where they're ushering in a movement and this is how it is and this is how it will always be. I'm sorry, babe, it isn't. You're responding to a contemporary moment that is more fleeting than you could possibly imagine. Because Western civilization <laughs> cannot stand on the foundation of wokeism. The whole thing would collapse. And while, okay, for many years a lot of people were very apathetic, there is enough resistance now that the pushback has already begun. Yeah, It's not going to remain. So a lot, a lot of Christians even sit down and call entertainment. Oh, I'll just watch this show while I have my dinner. Oh, have you seen this one? You're filling your soul with things that put Jesus Christ on the cross. You're filling your soul with things that are not his opinion, that he does not like. Watching characters do things that are evil, but call them good, to convince you that morality is that elastic. Whereas when you're a Christian, I'm not saying all your characters are goody-goody two-shoes. Um, none of your characters are Jesus. They will get it wrong. They will make mistakes. They will make choices. You think, seriously, why? But because you're a Christian, the Spirit of God is in you. You still have the ability to write things that will open people's eyes to truth. Or that will challenge wicked consensus. Um, or that will inadvertently prophesy into situations way ahead of time. Like when I wrote The Panopticon in 2011, no one believed the world could actually ever be shut down. That people could actually be confined to small spaces, and that they would complicitly come into agreement with this for fear of uh, an unseen threat. That's what the Panopticon book is. There's a Dark Lord out there. Have you seen him? No. Is he real? You assume he is. There are wizards running the world. Have you ever seen them? No. Are they there? Yeah. Why? Because we were told. So people chose in, in the book to self-regulate, to self-police, because of fear. I wrote that in 2011. About 10 years, basically, 9, 10 years before the infamous 2020. 
because the sensitivity of the artist and the sensitivity to Holy Spirit told me that that's the direction the world was ultimately heading. Um, and then with Reckoning, um, it's... Okay, you can tell by the title. <laughs> this kid's out for revenge. Um, but even in the story, there's one particular section where a lot of world building is given, but also a lot of sensitivity to different things happening in the world at the moment, and they're on the horizon. That I think at a later point uh, in in life, even a decade, two decades down the line, people will be able to read certain parts and say, oh my goodness, that's exactly what was happening. Oh my goodness, that has come to pass. Um, because you have the ability to give life when you're a believer, to speak truth, or just to open people's eyes to things in a new way, even to help them dabble with concepts they hadn't really understood before. And then plus, even with a lot of the text throughout it and the characters' names, there's a lot of Bible names in it, um, and even some reworkings of Bible verses too. And a couple of occasions in this book, the main character prays. You see, like, say, God and Jesus show up in the text, and it's not weird. It doesn't feel forced or pushy. It's just part of his character. It's part of who he is. So, um, yeah, I think I've seen what has gotten forced into other, <laughs> what passes for 21st century highbrow entertainment. I, I, I intentionally stayed clear of that. It's not a story where the main character, who's a guy, has to be um, subverted um, and uh, a woman put in his place. It's kind of your classic young man's journey and destiny story. Um, the tropes that have actually worked over the years. So, um, yeah, this might be a quite a long answer. But a bit of fan service. I try to give people what they wanted and a little bit of what they needed to. Yeah. Very good. Very good. So, uh, Brendan, what are your five favorite writer's memes that you have for us today? <laughs> Only five. Oh, Jakers. We've got 100 here. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, so uh, those of you on the... Uh, YouTube version will be able to uh, see all of these. Those of you who are not on YouTube, I will uh, describe them to you. Um, all right, so one of them <laughs> shows an Asian guy who's holding a tinsy tiny piece of paper and he's squinting. And the blurb <laughs> goes, the list of books that I've actually finished writing. Oh my goodness, that is so... Absolutely true. Um, I find with a lot of us writers, we sit down and because we have such overactive imaginations and every sentence we write lends itself to another newer, better idea. Like I've got, I don't know, maybe 20 movie scripts written. Uh, maybe 16 are finished, which would probably be more than most people could, 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 could say. Um, Books, probably got about seven or eight begun, published two. Um, plays, 
I don't know, anywhere from five to ten written. Uh, will I ever sell the other ones? Not a bull's notion. Most of the time, I forget they're even there. <laughs> uh, in fact, even Reckoning, which I just released there last week, Logan had to remind me months ago, throughout this year, that I'd written that. <laughs> I'd, I'd published the Panopticon, and then I began working on a, what was supposed to be uh, a sequel. And, um, you know, I was describing it one day to Logue, and he was like, oh, wow, yeah, mm, that's so cool. And um, so, you know, what does Benjamin do during all this? And I was like, who? <laughs> and Logan goes, you know, your, your protagonist, your main character. I'd forgotten Reckoning had existed, so I had to go back and finish his story. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that is absolutely true. So, yeah, thank Logan that Boog 2 exists. <laughs> For a while, that was probably going to be like, you know, Boog 3, if even. Um, yeah, we absolutely love writing, and sometimes we just get ahead of ourselves, and we forget to actually come back and finish things. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there's another one called uh, Writer. It's it's a black box with six subsections with different people's opinions. What my friends think I do, um, sitting down in front of a, a book and laptops all day long, um, and uh, fax machines... I know it's a small picture. I think that's what it is. That is probably very true. A lot of my friends often ask, you know, so how are you write? How's your writing coming along? Does you get much writing done the weekend? And yada yada yada. Uh, not realizing if I get one hundred words written in like two and a half days, that's progress. Uh, what my mom thinks I do? <laughs> it's a photograph of a homeless man. That is true, friends. If you are trying to write a book series and uh, everyone around you is telling you, you won't make money in your first book, you'll be poor, it's a waste of time. I've heard it all too, friends. You just have to have some grit, grow thick skin, and tarry on with or without their support. What society thinks I do, <laughs> it's a guy approaching a very uh, fancy, well-dressed woman. Yeah, I think a lot of people here write or author and they automatically think you're like the 1%. Someday, someday. <laughs> what editors expect me to do, J.K. Rowling holding up Harry Potter and the Deadly Hallows. <laughs> um, I actually had to walk away from the whole editor process and become my own editor, just do it myself. Screw it. Self-publishing is the way to go, people. Far too many editors and publishing companies don't want noobs. They're very content with the clients they already have. The one they have have a proven track record of success of bringing in the books. And a lot of them aren't actually brave enough to take new people on board. Self-publish. If you want someone to read your manuscripts, send them to from dominocleveland.gmail.com. I'll send you my bank details. I will charge you. Uh, what I think I do, <laughs> sitting with a feather in my hand by candlelight, oh, that's how I feel on a, like, a daily basis. Doesn't matter how utterly crap what I write is, I feel like I'm writing gold each time. And what I actually do, <laughs> sitting there just like playing with like a slinky, uh, that was me today, actually. I had intentions of writing like 10 pages. I wrote one and a half. One of which was copied and pasted from like 
work got rejected earlier. Nice. <laughs> All right, another one shows I don't watch Futurama. The ginger guy. I with the with the squinted eyes. It says not sure if I'm screwed up because I'm a writer or if I'm a writer because I'm screwed up. That is actually so so funny. And when I first became a writer, I very much was working through some soul issues. Um I suppose I found it hard to accept that certain things were real in my life or that I'd done certain things in my life. So I suppose in imagining it happened to another character, I was able to rationalize it from an external, more objective perspective. Um, and then there are times in my life when I just start giving someone the stink eye, just, you know, cutting them with, you know, daggers, uh, proverbially. And then I think, oh my goodness, this is how, like, you know, Benjamin must feel when blah, 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 blah. <laughs> because all your characters ultimately come from your own imagination, your heart, your head and your heart. Yeah. So sometimes it does actually feel like you've got multiple people living inside of you. <laughs> um, they're all my children in, in, a, in a figurative way, obviously. But uh, I do care for them deeply, and sometimes I think, okay, that's exactly how they would feel if someone responded that way. So I just go home, and I'm like, okay, I'm not offended. Aurora is offended, and here's why, or whatever. But uh, I absolutely see how being an artist can drive you nuts, just having all that creativity going on in your brain. That's why we need Christ, so we can lay it all (laughs) at the foot of the cross. Don't we all? Okay, the next one shows a very concerned woman sitting uh, on a chair at a table. I'm a writer. If I'm staring at you, I'm not being rude. I'm trying to decide if you need to go in a book. If you're a snot, I may be trying to decide how to kill you. Ouch. That is true. 100%. Um... I remember when I released the first book, Logan was like, Brendan, I can actually read this in your voice. Yep. Uh, and he was like, you know, okay, I think certain things Benjamin goes through are biographical, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I had another person reading it, and she came up to me and she was like, hey, there's one chapter here. Were you, like, you know, writing about the blah, 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 blah? And I was like, why would you even say that? And they're like, well, your character's name, blah, blah, sounds a lot like the name of someone we both know, blah, blah. Why was that person one of the same? And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. They're like, you got me. Trouble. (laughs) (laughs) So that's four, I think. So uh, I'll find one more. All right, this one made me laugh. It's a picture of Loki. I think this was taken when he's in prison in the Avengers movie. Maybe about the time Natasha, the Black Widow, goes in. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> He just looks so angry, just so intensely. That's like a Benjamin stare right there. It is, yeah. And he goes, 
you should be writing. Oh my goodness. That is how I feel all the time. When I'm at work at my day job, which Logan keeps telling me to leave, <laughs> offer me a higher salary and we'll talk. Um, oh my goodness. I just want to be at home writing. And then when I am at home writing, you know, I've got people calling me, you know, for your interpretations or advice or Bible questions, or they just want to chat, or, you know, they're trying not to do something very, very silly uh, and life-ending and they need some help. Or podcasting. Or advice or prayer or guidance or podcasting. That's <laughs> like all those descriptions, Logan. <laughs> um, and yeah, I can never quite shake it, that sense of, I could be raising a novel right now. But I, you know what? When I was a teenager, I said earlier, it's one of the questions Logan answered. Um, the thing I'm proudest of is remaining humble, which might sound <laughs> like an oxymoron. But when I was younger, I think I wanted to, I didn't deepen security issues. And I wanted to be a world famous author, just write, get the book out of my heart, make a fortune, and live up a mountain far away from society, far from people, far from real life. Um, the issues of the heart, drama, trauma. I only ever leave from my mountain cabin to buy tea bags, milk, and sugar. But I think sometimes as Christians, we make our lives smaller than they ever had to be. Um, we have a, a very narrow focus, I think, sometimes of destiny and purpose and what God's plan for our lives is. Um, and so often we think of, you know, big picture things. Oh, well, it's got to be the thing that's like, you know, no one else does. It's got to be the thing that's not normal. Um, but actually, you know what? Saying hi to the person who sits in the pew or on the seat beside you at church and going, can I pray for you? What could I do to make your life better today to encourage you? That's not normal. That's countercultural. It should be normal in the body of Christ. Very often it isn't. Um, loving people better who are in your world, whether they're in it a lot or a little, um, that's countercultural. That's part of God's plan for you when he situated you where he chose to. So, um, yeah, I suppose there was a time when I wasn't writing and it used to deeply grieve me, disturbed me. I almost felt like I was in rebellion to God's plan because that was the capital P plan. Whereas now I see... God has put so many things in my heart and I was willing to compromise and shrink my life beyond the measurements he'd given. Um, but it was rooted in fear. It was rooted in insecurity. So it doesn't mean that what I produced was bad, but the fruit it produced could have been catastrophic. So just let that be an encouragement to you as well. Whether you're pursuing a writing career, a music career, whatever it is. And just know you are more than your talent. You are more than your gift. 
Okay, you've got the story in the Bible of a guy with the ten gifts, the ten talents, the five talents, the one talent. Some people are good at one thing. Most of us have more. So don't make your life smaller than it's meant to be. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so that meme was supposed to be funny and said you got an unofficial Bible lecture out of it. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. Well, uh, so I will get into our Bible passage here. Of course, if you have more questions for Brendan about authoring or being an author or publishing or any of those stuff, um, I've gotten to hear some of this, the crazy stories of publishing at the beginning with Amazon, and it was pretty ridiculous. So if you want to hear any of those stories, you can, of course, let us know at from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com. You can, of course, get a hold of Brendan. You can send him, you know, friend him on Instagram, follow him, you know, send him a message on there, too, if you want to hear more. Like his white hot memes. Always white hot memes. Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, you can, there's certain ways to get a hold of us. Um, of course, pick up his book. It is in his link. It is reckoning. Um, so Brendan, before we go close us out with, uh, give a word from, from the Lord today. What, is, what are we at today? Great. Well, first of all, Logan, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, talk about the publishing process and advertise my book. And thank you everyone for listening. If you got this far into the video, it's, uh, been a pleasure and yeah listen um don't in any way hesitate to contact me either on instagram at brendan thomas marrett or from dublin to cleveland at gmail.com um even if you want just prayer or encouragement or advice with uh, the writing or publishing or editing or proofreading uh processes um especially if you've been discouraged especially if it's taken a long time or the people who should have been your biggest Champions and cheerleaders chose to be your biggest adversaries or not to encourage you. Um, sometimes all we need is just that one singular voice that speaks into the void. From There are many, many times when I felt, God, am I just wasting my time? What's the actual point? Yeah. Um, if I write it, no one's going to buy it. If I walk away now, okay, it'll be awkward for about a year because I've already told everyone in my world I'm writing something. But after a while, they'll stop asking. And, you know, I can be just like everybody else. You know, miserable at their day job. Um, But actually, whenever I was in those states of mind, God always sent the most curious of individuals to come and encourage me and support me. People I saw once and ever again. People who are Christians but don't actually believe that God can just prophetically speak into your life in that day, speak into that moment, speak into your heart, speak into your situation, and they did. Um, corroborating words directly, word for word, from other people from across the years. God is so good. So uh, if you need some encouragement, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ here. That's what we're here for. So I think, given the theme of today's lesson, um, it only makes sense that our Bible verse um, would be Hebrews 5 to 9. 5 to 9? <laughs> it's not. It's <laughs> I got too excited. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. <laughs> we will not be reading four chapters of the Bible today. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 5, verse 9. 
And it says, And being made perfect, Jesus became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. As the King James Bible, or the very and literal Bible says, And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all those obeying him. There is a book in heaven. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there are plural books, maybe many of them, or else it's a very, 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 very big book. And in that book, the Lord, the Lamb, Jesus Christ, has your name written in it. Think about that, friends. Mm. Right now, there's a story in heaven about your life. The successes, the times you got it right. Mm. The times when you overcame adversity and challenge. The times you blessed people financially when no one else knew. The times you sat in a restaurant, you overheard another customer complaining about their aches and pains or that someone's cancer had come back and you just sat there silently, but on the inside you went to war against the darkness and you prayed and that cancer was broken, that pain was gone, that person got healed and you never knew. God sees everything. Mm. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing escapes his attention. And he's got it all written in heaven, a story about you. Amen. Your wickedness, your sin, your shame, your mistakes, they've been blotted out Mm. by the blood of the lamb that was slain. In heaven, the story about you does not contain your darkest day or your worst moment. It's It's got not the highs and the lows, it's all the highs. All the success stories. But as incredible as that is, as incredible as it is that we have a Father in Heaven who's proud of us, who supports us, who cheers us on, that's only made possible because Jesus is the author of our salvation. Amen. If we think of it metaphorically, your name was written with Jesus' blood on the adoption papers in Heaven. God purchasing you back from the darkness. And all of that came through the cross of Jesus and Calvary. Where one beam connects you to God, humans to heaven. And the other one, the horizontal beam, you to other people. To your brothers and sisters in Christ, the family of believers. Jesus, the author of our salvation, it starts with him, it ends with him. He's the Alpha and the Omega, he is the beginning, he is the end. He's the first and the last. It all begins and ends with him. But just like a cross, his two arms stretched out, they're open wide to embrace you, to accept you, to make you his. He is a good, good father, and he is very, very proud of you. That might be news to you. Maybe your earthly father <laughs> isn't always proud of you or your mother. Or your siblings aren't very encouraged or encouraging. Or people in your world who are in positions of authority might not always be very supportive of you. But God is cheering you on. He loves you. And uh, 
Zbug in heaven where he writes all of your success stories. And someday when you're in heaven, I believe he'll show every single one of us the pages he's written about us. And uh, to see the Father's smile and the Father's heart as he says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well, I think there'll be a tear in all of our eyes. All right, Broski, please encourage God's kids and then pray aside for today. Of course. Uh, Brendan nailed it all on the head, and I think we could go on for another 50 minutes talking about the awesomeness of God's <laughs> salvation and his blessing that he did and he gave us. And maybe we'll even get into that next week, since next week will probably be the longest episode we've ever done. Um, at, least, <laughs> at least that's the plan. Yeah. So expect to buckle up for some long listening. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this verse is, is, is amazing. It only, it starts with Christ. It ends with Christ. It continues with Christ. Um, even when it talks about who it's for, the obedience, the obedience only comes because Christ lives in us, that God lives in us. Um, we've talked about it on this podcast before. The difference between this religion and other religions is that God lives within us, um, and for those of us who are saved, we can easily forget all these things and walk and live and do what we want, but we're called to obey him. And so we're called to obey God's word. Um, we're called to live for him. We're supposed to um, follow his example and his, the way he lived life and the way he treated people and the way he loves people. And even when we're tired and exhausted and maybe sometimes we're frustrated with how life has gone the way we don't think it should we're still supposed to obey him. We're supposed to follow his rule. And God doesn't do things or bring situations into our life to destroy us or ruin us. Those things come if we are walking incorrectly or away from him. Um, but he brings those things in to encourage us, to correct us, to bring us back on the right path. Um, so obedience, uh, there's a there's a kid's song that says, uh, O-B-E. D-I-E-N-C-E. The obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. So go forth the rest of today um, uh, showing your obedience to Christ. Um, they, because that's what's the important thing is that he, he authored it. He finished it. He perfected it. He's working in you to obey. But the action still remains our choice of are we going to obey what he says to us. So with that, let's close in prayer as we talk about, um, Lord, I'm just so thankful for, uh, what you've done for us, for your obedience that you've, uh, called us to, um, but we can obey you because of your perfection and the reason you work all those things out for your good and your honor and your glory. Um, Lord, we pray, we're, we're thankful that you've given us creativity and the ability to author and write stories. Um, you have written the greatest story ever told, the one that, came, uh, sent a baby as, uh, to this earth and lived a perfect life and, um, then died on a cross for each and every one of us to redeem us from the darkness that is in each and every one of us. Lord, we pray that for those under our voices, that you would lead people to Christ, even now in this moment, as we're praying for them, um, that you would be bringing people into your, your family and your household, that they would be called to this obedience um, and Lord, I pray for each and every one of us, uh, that you would help us to obey, help us to obey your commandments, help us not to, 
um, fall into sin or be entrapped by sin that so easily ensnares us, but that we would live and glorify you in everything we say and do. So um, and we pray that you would uh, protect us and bring us all back next week for a celebration episode of episode 100. Um, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, friends, as I said, next week, episode 100, we've got some surprises. We've got some crazy things going to happen. Uh, it's going to be a long one, so buckle up for that. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. You're going to hear sides and things that you've never heard before from our podcast, so get ready. <laughs> and maybe even some things you have heard before. Maybe as Might well. Might come back. Who knows? All right. Well, friends, we will see you all next time. Brendan, anything you want to say before we head on out? Live lightly, walk humbly before your gods, and live boldly and fearlessly. Amen. Awesome. All right. We will see you all next week. Bye, friends. Cheerio.